You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media and editor over at LongtownPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Wednesday, day after the Pelicans fall to the Milwaukee Bucks, 130-113 at home. In what was a hard-fought second half, let's call it. We're going to recap this game because I, you, there's a lot you can take away. It was an interesting game for a number of reasons for the Pelicans. We're then going to look more at the front office, the importance of getting all of this right, and the general feeling I'm getting from the team on the directions they might go on certain things. Then I want to take a look at an incident that happened around the NBA the other day, and that's Russell Westbrook and a fan in Utah, what happened there, why I think everything was the right decision in this, and how maybe it kind of transpires and translates a little bit, just a little bit tangentially, to the New Orleans Pelicans. So let's jump into it in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. In the Smoothie King Center last night, your New Orleans Pelicans fell 113-130 to the Milwaukee Bucks. Team with, by the way, the best record in the league. They lead the league now with 51 wins to just 17 losses. They're very good. Had three All-Stars as well. So no real surprise that the Pelicans lose. No Drew Holiday in this one. No Etwan Moore in this one. Limited minutes, Anthony Davis. You felt like the Milwaukee Bucks might just run all over this team with an MVP candidate in Giannis Ander- to compo and just kind of it might get out of hand but that wasn't the case yes things were close for the first half and then kind of got away from the pelicans late in the second as their spacing kind of got shot and they couldn't really figure anything out and it was all just a bit of a mess but they fought later on in the third made this within five points and then again just didn't have kind of the players to finish the game out What can you do? But you saw some good performances from some guys here, and this has to make you feel at least a little bit confident. Teams kind of doing what they want to do. Be competitive in games, play the young guys, start to figure out the future a little bit more. And they were doing that. New Orleans was right in this game through the first quarter and uh, half of a quarter, through midway through the second. They were only down a few, and at one point leading, the Pelicans actually had a seven-point lead in this one. It was aided by Milwaukee turning the ball over on offensive fouls a good bit, something you saw that team do kind of often, a lot of charge calls. I think they had like five or six of those. And overall, that kept New Orleans in this one. They were also doing a very good job on the boards, grabbing 24 second chance points. But the three-point shooting was a big problem in this game. And it's exactly what the Milwaukee Bucks try and force other teams to do. New Orleans shot just 10 of, wait for it, 47 three-point attempts in the game, 21.3%. It's not going to get it done. Ian Clark had 10 by himself. You had guys like Alfred Payton taking 7. Frank Jackson was 0 for 6. Julius Randle was 1 of 6 in this. No one had more than 3 other than Darius Miller, who was 3 of 5. A number of guys hitting 1 of 4 or 0 for whatever number. This is what Milwaukee wants you to do. They actually lead the league in opponent three-point attempts per game. But they do that by just basically leaving mediocre to bad shooters open. 
So when a guy like Alfred Payton got the ball in the three-point line, he was open for three. There's a reason he took seven in this game. Same thing with Julius Randle. They didn't really feel he was a threat there. Anthony Davis took four. Kenrich Williams took four. Everyone was launching open threes because that's what Milwaukee does. And midway through the second quarter, New Orleans realized they weren't hitting anything. I think they might have been 3 of 13 at that point and couldn't get it done. So they started to drive and started to attack a little bit more. But Milwaukee just clamped down on the paint and in the paint and took that away. And then the Pelicans couldn't get a bucket and the spacing just wasn't there. And Milwaukee didn't respect the opponent three-point shooters there for the Pelicans. And it just led to them going on a run, which led to them being up by as many as 22 in this game. And from there, it was basically kind of over. But New Orleans did go on a run midway through the third quarter once Anthony Davis sat and Czech Diallo came in for his first minutes of the game. Diallo, who only played 14 and a half minutes, didn't play until the second half. 14 and a half minutes, had 11 points. He also had six rebounds. He was active. He was energetic. He was doing exactly what you want to see and what we've been seeing him do over the past couple of weeks. I don't know why he didn't go in a little bit earlier, or at least at the time, and you were kind of confused about the rotations in this one. You didn't see Jaleel Okafor, who is dealing with a right ankle injury, but was healthy enough to play, even get any kind of action. After the game, Alvin Gentry clarified it a little bit, saying, look, we know what you get with Jaleel Okafor, and with bigs that play on the perimeter, and Giannis really starts and initiates everything out there, it's not really fair on his bum ankle to kind of throw him out out there to defend and have him move as much as that. And same for Czech Diallo. They know what Diallo can bring to the table, what Diallo does, and he kind of just left it. And that basically was him saying, we're not trying to win this game, which is a little bit disappointing. On the night, you had the best performance come from Alfred Payton, the triple-double, 14 points, 15 rebounds, 11 assists for the Pelicans guard. Julius Randle went out there, 23 points on the night as well. He was 10 of 19 from the field, really trying to attack. Got a number of offensive rebounds and the putbacks off that as well. Anthony Davis in his normal 21 and a half minutes, 21 points, 12 rebounds. He did not care in the first half quarter of the game whatsoever really did pick up his energy level in the second at least chasing blocks had two big ones there Kenrich Williams was trying his best he was matched up against Giannis a number of possessions in this game just five points one of four shooting quiet night for him with only two rebounds Frank Jackson had a bit of a mixed bag in this one, 7 of 18 from the field overall, so under 40%. But he got some points, and he got to the rim, and he had a couple of good looks from three that barely just missed. I think he's the one guy out there that you're like, okay, he can launch those threes, and I don't feel as bad about this as he just kind of comes into his own. You've got to wonder if he's hitting a bit of a rookie wall that we see from many guys. Don't forget, he is a rookie. This is his first competitive basketball season, basically in like two or three years, and you can see it. His shots are a little bit short. He's maybe just kind of a little bit more tired. And I think that's normal. When you go from playing a college season, just 40-something games, to 82 in the NBA, it's a big jump. It can wear on you. And you see this. So this is nothing out of the norm for him. Over 6 for 3 again in this one. And defensively, not as great. You've seen him fly through some screens better. He's doing what he can. Again, defense takes time in the NBA. You're also seeing him play a lot better 
in the pick and roll and initiating the offense a little bit more. I think that's a very encouraging sign towards making him more of a combo guard than a scoring guard. And I think that goes a long way for what this team needs, particularly as they start to look towards the future on whether or not they're going to bring Alfred Payton back. Having a guy who can kind of fill some of that role is definitely a good thing. Darius Miller was kind of excellent in this game. It was weird. 13 points on the night. The only Pelican player to hit more than three, three or more than two threes. He was three of five. Um, so the only guy north of 50% as well. Grabbed a couple of good boards, had a couple of big fouls. He went to the line a number of times as well. Kind of a really good game for him, which kind of came out of nowhere. The Milwaukee Bucks with those turnovers, they had the offensive fouls, different things. Didn't play particularly great. Giannis only had 24. Chris Middleton had 23. Malcolm Brogdon, 18. And Eric Bledsoe, 14. But it was more than enough. And they were um, shooting better than the Pelicans did overall. Shot a little bit better from three than the Pelicans did. Did just enough. Got out in the fast break whenever the Pelicans turned the ball over. They were out and running. And that's kind of how they just eased their way to a 130-113 win that wasn't as comfortable as the final score makes it seem. So before we get to the front office, the importance of the G League and nailing some of these hires, as well as the situation with Russell Westbrook, it's the first weekend of the NCAA tournament coming up in just a short period of time, and it's one of the most fun weekends of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first-round upsets, or all of the above, MyBookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with a title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? And can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers... First, tell me so that I can go to my bookie and bet on it. Or even if you don't, my bookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everything, even you, multiple bracket guy. My bookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business. And the best part is they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours fast. You're not going to get that anywhere else. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy your March Madness while you watch and your and your uh, picks cash in. Deposit with my bookie today with the promo code Locked On NBA for a 50% sign up bonus. That's promo code Locked On NBA. It is free money right there. With my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. So let's talk more about the front office. And yesterday I spoke to why I don't think interim GM Danny Ferry is going to be back next year and why that's maybe a good decision from the Pelicans, even though I think very highly of Ferry. And that's because they need to do the Pelicans need to do whatever they can to kind of shed the reputation and the perception of them around the league, whether it's true or not. And a lot of it's true. A lot of it's not true as well. You still need to because sometimes the perception is more important than the reality. And I think you're seeing that here in New Orleans. This is their opportunity to really make a splash and send kind of a message to the league and everyone associated with the league that, hey, we are a serious team. We are serious about our future. This is why. They need to nail the GM hire and a president of basketball operations hire if that's the direction that they want to go into. That might depend on the people they've interviewed. If it's a greener, younger GM, maybe they bring in a president of basketball operations to kind of just act as a check there. 
or maybe they bring in an established GM and you feel comfortable about them kind of running the show and answering directly to Gail Benson. Here's the thing. If Loomis was an extension of ownership before, basically kind of acting as what Gail would have said or Tom would have said, there's no difference than the GM reporting directly to Gail Benson. You still need someone who knows enough to kind of call the GM into question and then make that decision on whether to retain them or not retain them or force them to kind of change the direction that they're going. Again, that was the issue here with Dell Demps. He was president of basketball operations and GM because he was going in and speaking to Loomis and selling him so well on what his vision was because Loomis didn't know. That's no different for Gail Benson. She's a new owner. She's not been around the NBA for years and decades like some other people have. So hiring a president of basketball operations and paying that dude good bit of money basically to just kind of be a consultant and be a voice to your GM and also go to ownership and be like, nah, he's making the wrong moves or this isn't the direction I think we need to make a change is going to cost you. And yeah, maybe that's not the most efficient use of money, let's say, but it's probably still pretty much worth it and the direction the Pelicans need to go in. So that's one of the reasons why I think this summer is so critical and why they need to spend the money to do this. Getting that means you're not going to have a GM that's going to run your franchise, not necessarily into the ground, but to the point where your star player wants to leave. This also means you need to spend in other areas, on equipment, on the training staff, on whatever it is that makes NBA players happy and bringing that type of stuff in. I think they kind of know that. They don't want to be considered kind of an also-ran or have players come in and be like, where is some of this basic stuff that's almost the expectation around the league? And that's been the case at times. Now, when a player said something, they've usually gone out and gotten a lot of that equipment, but not always. And I think that's important too. Another area where you can kind of send a message to the league that you're not screwing around now is with the G League team. We know they're going to be playing in Birmingham, not next season, but the season after. But we really haven't heard much on that front since then. You need to spend money on that. Those things don't really break even and they're kind of a cost of just running an NBA franchise. And the Pelicans should see that. And they're going to need to hire someone really good to run that. And they should be looking for that person far sooner rather than later, and someone who has G League experience. Don't take someone who's just kind of a a guy in the front office and let them run that. Let an experienced person do that, particularly because you're trying to get this operation off of the ground. You don't have an established G League front office, an established G League team or system there. You need to kind of, and you know you're going to kind of start it from scratch, even though they're moving a team to Birmingham from all this. You're going to restaff everything there. So these you're going to need to put someone and run it that kind of aligns with what you want to do and who has experience doing this because you cannot be cheap and just kind of throw someone new in there when you're really trying to make that part of your culture. All of this is so important for the Pelicans and they need to nail almost every part of it to change that perception, make this team potentially a free agent destination. They're being in a small market. That's not easy to do. So you need to do it with the little things. Sorry, players aren't going to want to come to this city and play basketball. But if you make the amenities really nice, everything else really nice, and then build smartly and know that you've got the G League there, hopefully developing young talent that you can pull in cheaply because you're not a free agent destination. That's a good way to make it work. So hopefully this team nails all of that. This is such a pivotal offseason for them.
So we're going to talk about something that happened with Russell Westbrook the other day um, over in Utah. But before we get to that, NFL free agency is in full swing and things are getting kind of wild. You've had some big trades with now Odell Beckham Jr., former LSU receiver, heading to the Cleveland Browns, making them one of the more intriguing teams in the league right now. Le'Veon Bell signing with the New York Jets and other big moves. There's some with the Saints and potentially Mark Ingram as well. The Locked On NFL podcast is recapping everything. I don't follow the NFL nearly as much as I used to. I just kind of need to know the big things that happen so I can keep up with everybody and sound intelligent when I talk about that sport. I do it by listening to the Locked On NFL podcast Monday through Friday. It gives me everything I need to know during these big periods when a lot is going on. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked On NFL podcast. All right, so the Russell Westbrook situation, if you haven't seen it now, there was a video that went quickly viral of him basically cursing out a fan, saying he would hurt them and fight them and then fight the wife or the partner or a lady with the guy and all of that. And people were kind of quick to decry Russell Westbrook over this. But as kind of the night went on, and this got resolved pretty quickly, so you've got to give credit to a lot of people for this. It was found out that the fan had said some pretty awful things to Russell Westbrook, potentially racial in tone and nature. And he got heated and kind of went at the guy. And given all of that, I think it's fine and kind of normal and expected. So what the NBA did was, or the Utah Jazz did, and this was against the Jazz, they Quickly looked into the incident, his uh, Westbrook's teammates backed him up, and then during their investigation, it sounds like other fans in the section backed up Westbrook and his account of all of it, and basically ratted out the dude that said all of this stuff. That's when you know it's bad, when your peers are just like, no, this dude's terrible and a horrible human being, and ratted him out. And they quickly learned all of this, and then put out a statement yesterday saying, hey, we're banning this fan for life because this type of conduct is unacceptable. This also comes kind of on the heels of that James Dolan situation where a fan told him to sell the team and then he basically banned a fan for life because that dude's thin-skinned and sucks. And every, he probably should sell the Knicks. But this is different here with Westbrook because the guy clearly crossed the line and we haven't seen it enough, and this is starting to become a thing, where fans are trying to bait players into a reaction, film it, and then put it up and have it go viral, and they get their 15 minutes of internet fame. We actually saw this happen with DeMarcus Cousins his first year in New Orleans. Or guys heckling saying some pretty bad things to him. He said something back to him, and then he got fined for it. And it's not really fair to the players who kind of aren't protected from this sort of thing. And I was thinking about this because... I'm fine. The NBA fined Russell Westbrook $25,000, which I'm fine with too, because at the end of the day, they don't want this incident to happen whatsoever. And if they're going to start taking stands against fans doing this sort of thing, you probably also need to try and calm the players down too, because that just escalates it. Also, I don't think Russell Westbrook cares about that and was happy to pay the fine. And good for him. If, you know, there's certain things that people will say to anybody that really gets him heated and triggered. And this happened and it shouldn't have. This kind of is the situation that, you know, we could potentially see here in New Orleans, though we haven't, and I've got to commend everyone for that. Anthony Davis went out of his way to basically screw the team over and try and get, you know, have his cake and eat it too and have it both ways. And fans turned against him. They booed him, but no one ever crossed the line, and nor should anyone cross the line. And I think it's nice to see that, you know what, booing, totally okay. Some light heckling, totally okay. I think I've told the story on here 
on the podcast before about how I, you know, when I was living in LA in middle school, sitting courtside at a Clippers game and just heckling the hell out of uh, Gary Payton with the Seattle Supersonics. That's how old this was. And kept calling him old the whole game. At the end of the game, he comes over to me and goes, your mom's old. And then told me that he made more money in the game than my parents made in the entire year. Cool. That's a great kind of fun-ish with a little uh, enough like hate interaction there that I think it's fine. But as long as you're not crossing the line, and we just haven't seen that here in New Orleans, so it's good. Go ahead and boo. And if the Pelicans tell you not to, they're wrong on that. Because you're not crossing the line and you are entitled to boo and express your displeasure with things. I'm just happy to see that overall it's been pretty civil. No big, you know, if you want to burn jerseys, go for it too. You don't even have to do, if you want to do that, that's not a big deal. But no one's really said anything so bad that they've needed to be ejected or anything like that that we've seen at least. And that's a credit to a lot of Pelicans fans who kind of understand the situation. And hey, we did just be a good fan base for it. But I thought that was kind of interesting that no one's baiting AD into any of this. And no one's even that angry about it all. And we realize it's just basketball, which is sometimes really important to keep in mind. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.